we'll get drunk and take a piss in the lagoon. Um, That's Epcot. <laughs> Where are we at? Hopefully we weren't recording. <laughs> Where the hell are we? Episode, episode... 24. 24. Episode 24. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Zero-G Adventures podcast, episode number 24. As always, I'm Tim. I'm Chris. And I'm Brian. And we are finally finishing Universal. For the most part. For the most part. <laughs> At least we're doing studios. Yes. So, um, as always, thanks for listening. And thanks for keeping up with us and following our Twitter pages, our Facebook pages, our YouTube channel. Giving us views, giving us shares, giving us likes. Um, so, thanks. Um, next week is a special episode talking about City Walk and Volcano Bay. Um, and then our actual review of Hershey Park Take 2. It is July 6th. We went to Hershey Park yesterday, July 5th. And it was a lot more enjoyable, I Oh, think. definitely. And we did post on both Twitter and Facebook during the day. So if you go back in the timeline, lots of pictures, some video, pictures of food, which is always important in my book. It was and, a good day. And, and if you, drinks. And yes, drinks. and drinks. And if you enjoyed it, follow or like us, please. Tell your friends about us. Yes. Tell them how much they need a shirt. OG Merch Shop on the website. Go get yourself a shirt. Shirts, hoodies, stickers. If we get enough likes, we'll come out with a calendar. If we get enough likes, we'll do a Brian original hashtag, here's the thing shirt. Yes. With a cartoon version of Brian's head. Yes. I will wear that to every park. <laughs> <laughs> so, as always, we always start every podcast with a drink of the week. And since we're in Universal Studios, Finnegan's is a favorite uh, restaurant bar grill located over in the uh, San Francisco area, New York area. Actually, it's in New, New York. York area. Yeah. Yep. It's an Irish pub in New York. Yep. Um, Mummy's Revenge. So, vodka, triple sec, sour mix, Chambord. Oh, what do you think? It's named well. Yeah. Um, I would say, personally, if I was going to do this drink again, I wouldn't necessarily follow the recipe we found. It says, fill to the top with Chambord. I think it would be better just a splash, pl a splash of Chambord. I think the Chambord is a little too strong in the mix. It's not bad, but it does sort of remind me of, it just hit me, the second version of the Conga Louche. It has yeah. that yeah. the sweet, almost overly sweet kind of cough syrupy, fruit rollupy. It's not, it's not bad, don't get me wrong, but if you don't like a sweet drink, this isn't going to be for you. This is definitely better than the other thing we had that had the, was it blueberry brandy or whatever? Blackberry brandy. Blackberry brandy. That was the worst. This is better than well, that. I think that was the second version of the Congo mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. This is better than that. Oh, though. it's better than that. But if you're not a... 
that's why I say, you know, maybe the nod filled or the top of Shane board, maybe just a splash for color and mix it in, you know. I would like to try with just a splash of Shane board. Otherwise, rub it tussin. I don't mind it. Well, as I as I realized when we were filming this, and of course you can see the film on our YouTube page, the minute Brian said that he liked it, I'm like, oh, I know. Obviously, Tim's going to detest this because that's how if Brian loves it, Tim hates it. Mm -hmm. There's some that we both liked. Yes. Yeah, there are. And we had a streak where we liked a lot. Yeah. And then... <clears throat> no, well, sorry. It's called expanding your palate, yeah, trying new things. If you don't like it, you don't have to drink it again. That's part of the fun of this, trying new recipes you wouldn't necessarily do on your own. And, mm -hmm. and this one, we did. normally we do a test of the drink of the week before we make it and serve it. I know that's hard to believe from our videos. Yes. But, <laughs> but, but they are made beforehand. But for this, we did not. This, we made it on the fly and tasted it on the fly, and who knew what it was going to taste like? I'm just happy it at least looked like the picture of what I found online when we were done with it. It's not bad. It's just not for me. Yeah, like I said, I don't think I'd fill to the top with Chambord, do a splash. But it's not bad. Again, it's one of those, if you like a sweeter drink, this is your thing. All right. So make sure I've, you check out the full recipe on the website. Yes. And the video on our YouTube channel. And the video. Yes. Um, so with that, we're going to leave hot and balmy, muggy, humid Pittsburgh and hop on a plane, go two hours south to, well, the hurricane capital of the world, Florida. Where Elsa's taking its revenge <laughs> on the Disney people. <laughs> I shouldn't name the drink Elsa's Revenge. She didn't let it go. No, she didn't. So, Universal Studios Florida. Um, the Universal Orlando Resort, which it has grown to be, is a vacation destination in Orlando, Florida. It is 541 acres of land featuring two theme parks, one water park, and an outdoor entertainment complex with eight hotels and two massive parking garages. Yes, I think they're the largest parking garages in the world. Actually, even bigger than Springs. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, they would have to be. And um, and I actually think the way they function functions better than a lot of other places. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I also found out today I was I was tweeted from Universal that all eight hotels are open. Wow, finally. Yeah, they're really blazing the way with yep. everything kind of going on. So they're the leaders, which I didn't think they would be. I thought they would be the sluggish ones. No, they were but leaders the whole actually the all whole of time. COVID. Yeah, Universal was the leader. Uh huh. Take that, Mouse. And I, and, I, and I think that's their plan going forward. With the higher-ups in Disney saying they don't plan on really investing in the parks in the future, Universal's taking the opposite tack. So it'll be very interesting to see what they do with the new park and what they might eventually do in the studios we're talking about today. So a little background. Universal Studios Florida opened in 1990 as both a theme park, but also a working production studio. The park evolved over years and adapted with the times. Attractions that have been retired or updated over the years, but will always miss the following. Confrontation, Earthquake, Jaws, Back to the Future, and Nickelodeon Studios. Oh, yes, I forgot about this line. <laughs> that eventually became the auditorium for Blue Man Group. Yes. Which is now vacant. Yeah. Now, what was interesting, I when I was researching the information for the parks today, Universal Studios has over 30 retired attractions. Over 30 attractions have been retired. Um, the Had Ghost to make Bu way for yeah. supercharged. But, I mean, Ghostbusters, 
if you think about it, Ghostbusters, Twister, Back to the Future, Disaster, disaster then became, or Earthquake right. became Disaster. Um, I didn't realize that, I mean, I, Beetlejuice, of course, was there as well. Yeah. Terminator was turned into Born. Right, Terminator 2. The only thing that stood the test is E.T. Yes, and it better always. Well, Steven Spielberg is a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> yes. But the thing that I thought was interesting was, um, like, that's a lot. 30 attractions to be retired for a park that's only been around since 1990. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think it's one of those things when you – I think we're not used to that kind of turnover because we tend to compare a lot of things to Disney where people just have strong emotional attachments to some things – and Disney is deathly afraid of picking oh, come people on. off sometimes. I don't know anyone like that. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know anyone that would chain themselves to the Twilight, the, um, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror if they announced that ride was going to be torn out. I mean, who you would, would do that? You who would. would do that? Really? <laughs> and if you did do that, Zero-G Adventures would live stream the entire thing on our Facebook page. <laughs> and then we would start a GoFundMe to bail Brian out. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll be proceeds for my merchandise. Sales. I'll be wearing the I'll wear the t-shirt. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> you ain't gonna lock me up. <laughs> but again, I I don't think Universal's management and the Universal park goers have the same sort of attachment. I think Universal was always sort of seen as the newer, slightly hipper park in comparison to what Disney does. So they're okay with a higher turnover and getting the new properties in the park a whole lot faster than Disney does. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know a lot of people, including Tim and other people, you know, give Universal a hard rap because of how many screen attractions they have. One of the benefits is because of that, attractions are very easily updatable. Well, it, it is also, I mean, I'm the ride guy. I like the roller coasters. Everybody knows that. But it, it I mean, it was built around ride the movies, yeah. live the movies, mm -hmm. you know? So, I, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Well, I mean, the, the original park, the whole concept was that the attractions were literally in studio buildings. Right. That was mm -hmm. sort of the idea. Except for Jaws. Oh, but that was still... Jaws was a whole other story. That was, oh, Jaws was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> when it first opened. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, admission. It varies. A lot. One day one park is anywhere from 109 to 139. A one day two park is anywhere from 164 to 194. A two day one park, wait, no. Yeah, a two day one park is between 219 and 268. And a two day two park is between 279 and 307. Here's the thing that sucks for, consum for consumers, but is genius is that they built an attraction that you can only experience if you have a park hopper pass. Correct. Yes. That would be the Hogwarts Express. The Hogwarts Express train. Which takes you from Islands of Adventure over to uh, Universal Studios. Studios. <laughs> and vice versa. The park that we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the other genius <laughs> thing is that when you look at trends lately, um, islands had the higher attendance. Mm -hmm. So in a way, that was a very genius move to get people back to the studios. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Parking. So parking at Universal is... Whoops, sorry. Parking at Universal is currently. 26. Currently. Yeah, the way park rates, parking rates go up. And parking is free after 6 p.m., um, except during the Halloween Horror Nights season. Um. It, this is nice because they kind of have their own downtown Disney 
Esque. which is City Walk, which yeah. was originally built with nightclubs and, and all that stuff, but it's gone the way of restaurants. And But and actually, that. the clubs still are at Universal. They're still there, yeah. yeah Universal still it's... has the clubs, and the best thing, which we're going to talk about next week, is their karaoke bar that has a live band. Meanwhile, you're like, I want the clubs, you want the karaoke bar, I'd go there for the donuts yep. and coffee. We could have a whole podcast about voodoo, don't I? I went to a club there once with Kelly, and she did the Cupid Shuffle with an old man, and they were the only two in the club on the dance floor. <clears throat> did she have fun? Mm-hmm. That's what matters. Yep. You make your own fun, damn There's it. a picture of Elvin <laughs> upstairs. There's a picture. We might, we might include that as a special surprise on the website. <laughs> Just to make sure you're paying attention. So, All right, well, let's get into the park and talk about the layout. So something that's interesting that... I don't, like, there's a whole story of how this park came to be that goes along with how Disney Hollywood Studios came to be. And they kind of were, like, racing each other against time to see who would open first. It's a big old corporate grudge match. Yeah, like, it's it's just very interesting to see how it came to be. Um, You know, we were, like, when I was researching stuff today and looking at attractions, things like that, I actually realized, I was like, there really is not a lot of attractions at this park, like compared to islands and compared to, but I noticed there's a lot of shows. <clears throat> yes. A lot of shows, but the layout, which is what we're going to talk about next. is hard to describe because overall it's kind of like a rectangle mm-hmm. that goes around, but then there's midways that connect to the rectangle. And then on the right side of the rectangle, there's a lagoon. So it makes just as much sense as downtown Pittsburgh. Yeah. But the entrance where the entrance for Universal Studios Hollywood right now is new. The original entrance was like by ET. Like so you came in that way when the park first opened and then they moved it. Hmm. So it's was kind of more right around the lake when you came in and most of the stuff to the left wasn't available because it was the production studios. So as they expanded it took yeah. over that area. Well, again, you were drawing uh, comparisons to um, Disney's movie theme park, mm-hmm. and it went the same way. That one opened as a production studio, mm-hmm. and over time, they cannibalized that space, too. But Universal still is yeah. a working movie studio, unlike Hollywood Studios. Although mainly they film things like talk shows and live from E.T. when they do it in front of the ball. And, and WrestleMania. And there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that gets filmed there. WrestleMania? WrestleMania. Yeah, brother. <laughs> so but, there's... Yeah, but you can tell, like, now that makes sense. Because, you know, over by E.T. and, like, the Central Park area and what's now Springfield and all that, it's kind of... Has a flow. Waving. Yeah. Wavy and kind of undulating. And then... Where the studio is, it's grit. Yeah. Or southeast, west. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, mm-hmm. you know, how it kind of like grew into that and kind of evolved over time. So. so there's eight themed areas. Production Central, New York, San Francisco, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Diagon Alley slash London, World Expo, Springfield, Woody Woodpecker's Kid Zone, which who's going to go next? That's the thing I think that's going to go bye-bye soon. And finally, Hollywood. And again, there's that lagoon on the one side of the park. Let's talk about rides and attractions. 
So Universal Studios Florida has 17 rides and attractions, including four roller coasters, four dark rides, three motion simulator attractions, zero water rides, which is shocking for the state of Florida, and 14 family rides, which of course are rides that have height requirements less than 48 inches that the whole family can ride together. Now, one of the nice things about the park, out of those 17 attractions, 12 of them are completely protected from the rain. 14 family rides. Yeah. What is considered a family ride? I mean, the, the nut coaster. There are only two rides have a height requirement over 44 inches. And that's the mummy. And rocket. And the Rip Ride Rocket. Everything else, including Gringotts. Gringotts has a 42-inch height requirement. Oh, I'm not going to traumatize them with that. <laughs> no. no. Well, you briefly thought about it. I, I did you? think about it. And then I'm like, oh, no. So, roller coasters. There's four. I always forget there. I did the whole thing. I wrote it as three, and then I was listening. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's four. Yep. So... The first one that is probably the most noticeable from outside the park and anywhere on property, it well, up until this time, yeah. um, is the Hollywood Rip Ride and Rocket. It's a 167-foot tall outdoor vertical non-looping X-coaster with, tr with trains reaching speeds of up to 65 miles per hour. It's the largest X-coaster built by Maurer AG and features onboard music with secret menus to yes. pick secret songs. Yes. Um, next, we have the Revenge of the Mummy, which is an enclosed multi-launch non-looping steel coaster by Premier. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. With special effects, a turntable section, and a fake ending, which if it's your first time riding, it's yes, yes, it is awesome. Um, top speed is 45 miles per hour. Harry Potter and the Escape from Gringotts, which is an enclosed non-looping steel coaster by Intamin with special effects, two tilt track sections, and a tire-driven launch. There's two? Yeah. There's the part at the beginning where it puts you with up and you go down. And then when you're in the screen and it feels like you're moving forward, the track actually tips oh, down. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then finally, we have Woody Woodpecker's Nuthouse Coaster, um, which is a steel junior roller skater roller coaster by Vacoma. So, favorite roller coasters at Universal Studios? Chris, you go first. Bueller. Bueller. I'm Brian. She's sick. She passed out at 31 Flavors last night. <laughs> Sorry. I, w I was checking my notes. Um, it's not the newest, it's not the fastest, but I think one of the most entertaining coasters is The Mummy. It's well done, it's aged well, they've updated it nicely, and even if you've ridden it a few times, there's still things you notice on each ride. It's just a well done coaster and dark ride, so bonus points there. I agree. Revenge of the Mummy is my favorite roller coaster at Universal Studios Florida. It, um, the queue line is a very immersive, like, puts you in the middle. Like, it is a great setup from beginning to end. Um, and they recently redid a lot of the, like, refurbished the ride, updated a lot of stuff with it. Um, I mean, again, I love the other stuff, but if I had to pick just one, Revenge of the Mummy. The Rip Ride Rocket for me. Really? 
No. Nah, I no. was going to say, I'm like, what are you <laughs> no. talking about? Like That was a ride that never should have been built. However, they need to take candemonium no, no, and smack it down in place. It. It's a fun concept. It's a fun concept. Like rivals make up. Mm-hmm. Same ride, just different colors. You know, I'll give it this. It's a fun concept. I don't think it was executed well. Yeah. It doesn't belong where it's at. It could, there's so much you could have done, as Tim would it's say. It's unique. Yes. I mean, that's, that's the one thing about it. But there are so many dang block sections to it that you never really when it really starts going you hit brakes but i guess that's why they have like 12 trains that go Mm -hmm. one time but no i'll say i'm definitely going to say revenge of the mummy that's probably i would say my favorite on property at this point honestly not including because you haven't ridden not include i said at this point because there's one um but revenge of the mummy yeah the queue line is amazing it's not as scary as Skull Island. But it's still creepy. But it's creepy. And the thing about it is it's right outside of a scare zone for Horror Nights. So it's almost like the horror goes into the queue. Yes. Like it fits very well. But um, so, yeah, Revenge of the Mummy all the way. Non-roller coaster attractions. What's our favorites? Mm-hmm. Chris? Um... I'm going to have to go with E.T. There's just something about it. It's, as I've referred to it again, it's like a psychedelic fever dream. It doesn't really make sense in large parts, but it's a well-done dark ride. And if you just go into it, I'm really looking for a story and just enjoying the visuals, it's well done. It's one of the oldest rides still existing in the park, and it holds up against most of the current dark rides being built. Um... There was definitely a lot of love and thought put into it. Um, Steven Spielberg basically designed this thing from the ground up. It was done by Sally Corp, which is probably one of the best names. Sally did it. Sally did it. Wow. And they make sure every everything is fresh. And I think that's probably because, you know, of Mr. Spielberg, but I've never seen or heard of that ride being yeah. in bad condition. Plus you ride a bike. That too. And then at the end of the ride, you hear E.T. go, Chris, Brian, Tim. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. Joe, <laughs> Megan, <laughs> Megan. <laughs> Megan. <laughs> Side note, the last time that Brian and I went to Universal, his um, cousin Megan came along. Not a huge fan of E.T. And had she not been next to me in the group when we were getting on the ride, I was really going to try to get everybody to say that their name was Megan. Megan, if you're listening, we love you. (laughs) Um, I am torn between two. One of them is E.T. But I really like Transformers. Like, it's... And they're kind of like, you know, you have two great... Like, the old and the new. So I'm between the two of them. Let's say you, Tim. Jaws and Confrontation. They're not there anymore. Okay. Graveyard Games and Carnival Graveyard. <laughs> okay, those are special event attractions, <laughs> but they count. They count. And you know what? If the list was rides, the attractions that weren't there. Can I say that? That's yeah. coming up. Can I oh. Can I say that, though? That's the nostalgia today. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, then. Apparently, I didn't scroll down far enough on the agenda. 
Well, <laughs> can like, I uh, can I say haunted houses or no? Yeah, you know, I mean, they're not uh, like you okay. can say that as well. You can say your favorite haunted house, but we need it. We need a favorite non coaster attraction. Non coaster attraction. So I'd go with ET as well, and Jimmy Fallon. Ooh, Ooh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm gonna go with ET. Period. And it's hard. It was a hard choice because I was also liking Men in Black too. Like yeah, Men in Black. Men in Black's a good. They ride. were going to be That's my honorable shooter. mention because it's a great shooter. Well done. But I also like it because the line is minimalistic but very detailed. It mm-hmm. fits the aesthetic of the film, especially when you're walking through the main hallway and you're looking down on the main center mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. the. And it's forced perspective, but. It, it's it works well. Done so well, yeah. and it does. It has not shown its age. Like it's still, mm-hmm. you know, it's still great. Well, food. The most important food. Part of review. <laughs> I think of the scene from Twister. <laughs> so. Universal Studios features unique food options. Some good, some bad, some ugly. Up to 53 locations to be exact. Each area has its own unique take based on the theme. There are two sit-down restaurants, 18 quick service locations, 29 food stands, and four bars or lounges. In terms of restaurants, there's two, as we said. There's Finnegan's Bar and Grill, which is an Irish pub in New York. Featuring fish and chips, corned beef and cabbage, Guinness beef stew, and more. It's also where the drink of the week came from. Um, Then there's Lombard Seafood Grill, which is a seafood restaurant in San Francisco. It's the only thing really left in San Francisco. Um, Features shrimp cocktail, mahi-mahi tacos, fried fisherman's basket, lobster roll, filet mignon, fresh fish, fresh fish, and more. You okay? You left something out of here. What? I'll get to it, though. Go ahead. We'll call you out live in the recording session. I'm sure. There's lots of quick service restaurants. Um, Again, some good, some bad. Some ugly. Some ugly. Um, My favorite, and it's a lot of people's favorite based on reviews and stuff I read, is the Leaky Cauldron in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Um... Literally, I think the reason why people like this so much is because of how much food you get. Um, The fact that it's kind of like, it's not a table service restaurant, but it's not like your normal quick service restaurant either. Because you go up and you order at a counter, and then they still bring the food to you. So it's it's a nice concept. Um, There's breakfast, which I have not done the breakfast here, but I think I have to. Um, there's English bacon, black pudding, baked beans, grilled tomato, pancakes with bacon, and an egg, leek, and mushroom pasty with breakfast potatoes, and more. For lunch and dinner, it's What's a, a leek. A leek is... Kind of like a big green onion, but milder in flavor. Yeah. Um, lunch and dinner is bangers and mash, cottage pie, toad in the hole, Guinness stew, fish and chips, shepherd's pie, fish and chips, plowman's platter, two scotch eggs, imported cheese... Don't forget to add the butterbeer, pumpkin juice, otter's fizzy juice, or otter's fizzy orange juice, or fishy green ale. If you want some alcoholic magic, there's the Hogshead Brew or Dragon Scale draft beer options and fire whiskey. 
Yeah. Now, of the food places, ones that we recommend are Bumblebee Man's Tacos, Florian Fortescue's Ice Cream Parlor, which is in the Harry Potter section where you can get all kinds of delicious, unique ice creams, um, Lard Lad Donuts, which is those big, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, most people don't know about the best thing to get at Lard Lad Donuts. It's actually a sundae. They actually take the donut, cut it in half, and put ice cream in the middle of it. Highly recommended. Um, Cafe La Bamba when it's open. Fast Food Boulevard, but I will note here. Fast Food Boulevard is great during lunch. And it's great anytime before, like, two hours before park clubs. Every review I read, and also from personal experience, if you go there right before it closes, the food has been sitting, and it's not great. Is that in Springfield? Yes. And then there's the Today Cafe as well, which was just newly redone by the park entrance. What were you going to say, Tim? What did I miss? Monsters Cafe. I know. I know. But do you want to know how many bad reviews Monsters Cafe gets? Every single review, because that's what I thought. And it's also seasonal. And you'd think somewhere like that, that it would be open all the time. But Monsters Cafe, Richter's, and, and Dying, or the the drive-in place, Mel's, is it Mel's? I think it's Mel's. Mel's drive-in. Yeah. All three of those places got, like, poor reviews on food quality and value. and. Well, the fast food boulevard, they, we ate there, and I was not impressed with them at all. We weren't and either. we weren't either. We weren't either. But every review, every place I've gone to says that is the best place to eat. Because, mm -hmm. honestly, um, it's been my thing lately that I've been trying just about every park's chicken and waffles, how they're doing it. I've had one at Knobles, I've had one at Hershey, and I had the chicken and waffles that uh, that's offered in Fast Food Boulevard. That is the worst. Yeah. It was the worst one of everyone I've tried. It was dry and rubbery and not worth the price. Now, we ate at Moe's, and it's the same food. Yeah. yeah. But it, it was better at Moe's than whenever we went into the food court. But Yeah, it's... It's. A, I think that place is a hit or miss. The people that love it got there either right when lunch started and everything was made fresh, or like. So you're saying there's a chance my chicken and waffle sandwich could have sat there for 20 minutes, right? If not longer. So favorite food locations. Now that we've discussed our least favorite. <laughs> yeah, um, mine is going to be the Leaky Cauldron. Partially for what Brian mentioned, I actually think because. The author of the Harry Potter series rides herd on a lot of this stuff. I think she mandated food quality. Like, I, I really think she had a say in that. So I think the restaurant options in the Wizarding World are a slightly better quality than we're going to find in other quick service places around the park. So it would be the Leaky Cauldron for me. Same for me. Same for me. It's also, I think, the most efficient food place in that park. Well, yeah, because I think with the throughput that those areas have, they have to be a whole lot faster. Mm -hmm. I'd have to say Finnegan's. I can't wait to eat there. I have not eaten there. I really like Finnegan's. And they have a very similar food there that they have at the Leaky Cauldron. Well, We're there Irish pub, magical two pub. Two and a half I mean, hours. So. Well, they, I, I even forget what we had. But we were there for two and a half hours. You were waiting for the stay and scream. Well, that, like I said before, that's where they locked you in for the stay and scream, right? Yep. Well, we were fortunate to be locked inside and not outside in the holding pens in the oh. sun, baking sun. We were inside, which was nice. 
But there's a tip for you. Yeah. Well, we also got there an hour before park closed to make sure that they were inside and ready to make to sure go. that we were inside. And that was I, smart planning to eat. Yeah, then. Again, that's a good uh-huh. planning tip. Yeah. And then we ate again at like midnight on the curb. But that's, that's another, another story. story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, favorite food or meal item? Um, I'm back at the leaky cauldron. What Brian mentioned before, and Tim got a weird look on his face. Toad in the hole. Toad in the hole. It's an English sausage uh, baked in Yorkshire pudding. Essentially, think like a British version of an impossible pie kind of thing. So it's cooked in kind of like a bread pudding. It's good. You get a huge portion for the price. Hmm. Yeah. Mine is fish and chips from the leaky cauldron. I don't really have one. I'm going to pass on this. You don't remember what you ate at the park? I'm a chicken fingers and fries person. That is true. Or a burger. How about favorite snacks? Twisted taters. Where are they at? Well, they're seasonal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if those... But, but the, I mean, I, I, honestly, like, as far as snacks go, I mean, that... That's what I would say is my favorite snack at Universal, even though it's only seasonal. If you, if listeners aren't aware, Tim is skewed towards horror nights. <laughs> a little bit. And there's, well, there's nothing wrong with that because I've seen some of the specialty foods they have for It's the most nights. popular time of the year for the park. So, I mean, it's... Yeah. I mean, in terms of snacks, I mean, it's just, again, chicken fingers and fries. But Twisted Taters is something I look forward to each year. What about you, Chris? I actually stumbled upon this... And the last trip, the day that Megan and I just went around the Wizarding World, we got a box of the Choco Shock candy from one of the Wizarding World candy spots. And, you know, you know it's cayenne-laced, but it's well-balanced. So you get the chocolatey hit and then the heat and the burn from it. And it pairs well with any drink you have at the time. But that's my recommendation. Something sweet, a little spicy, and different, you know, as opposed to like a pretzel or a churro or popcorn where you can get anywhere. Right. Plus souvenir box. So how can you eat that? We still have it. <laughs> um, my favorite snack is a Florian Fortescue's ice cream parlor in Diagon Alley. And I'm split even between the two because there's butterbeer ice cream, but they also have a strawberry and peanut butter ice cream. That is, it's not soft serve. It's like very unique and different. They also have like the Choco Shock though. They have, um, I forget the name mm. of it, but there's ice cream that has cayenne pepper in it. That would probably be just as, as good well. because the creaminess and of the ice cream would balance well with that, so it wouldn't be too overpowering. Yeah. I'd give it a shot. Drinks. Back in the Wizarding World, what paired really well with the Choco Shock was, you know, I'm not going to say butterbeer. Actually, I preferred um, the pumpkin the juice. pumpkin juice and. I actually think, at least when we were there, it was a better deal to go into one of the Wizarding World restaurants mm-hmm. and get the pumpkin juice there. You got more than uh, you do at the carts. You got more for a lower price than what you do at the cart. At the cart, you get the fun little bottle. And yes, I have one of those with a little pumpkin on top. But I got that at the end of the trip to have. But if you like pumpkin juice, you're better off going into the bar, the Leaky Cauldron, or any of the sit down places and just grabbing the drink there. For me, it's at the Leaky Cauldron, and I'm between two. There's Otter's Fizzy Orange Juice, which it's a ginormous glass. Like, you get your bang for your buck for the amount of drink you want. And they actually uh, do the ring 
they flavor the ring of the drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one is the peach peach tree fizzing tea, which it's like the orange except it's peach tea. Although I will say the, the second runner up to what I said about the pumpkin juice is the fire whiskey is a fun thing too, especially if you're in a colder month where there's a little bit of chill in the air, getting yourself a little shot of fire whiskey warms you right up. What say you, Tim? I will say the dragon scale, the red. Uh, That's a good beer. Ale um, from, da, 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 I forget what it's called. There's like three places there that sell it. They sell it in more places. There's the one Alley. place that's right outside of Nocturne Alley. Yeah. Like the entrance to it. And they like serve like two different types. They serve the hog's head and then the, the dragon scale. I really like the dragon scale. Um, that's, yeah. I have to put that on my list next time I go. I am definitely not going to say any of the specialty cocktails from Horror Nights. No. Not a fan? No. 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 No, no. Too sweet? It, yeah. Tess, are you listening to us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No Horror Night Specials. But you get the cups that flash and glow. You can get them with beer. <laughs> I know. I got one. <laughs> Another good planning tip. <laughs> so, shows and entertainment, which is chock full at Universal Studios. For and yeah, and this is what like I realized when I was going through, I was like, there really aren't that many attractions here. And then I got to the shows and entertainment. I was like, whoa, there's a lot of shows and entertainment. They yep. have the Universal Superstar Parade, which for a daytime parade, they do a pretty, pretty damn good job with this parade. It has Despicable Me, The Secret Life of Pets, SpongeBob SquarePants, Dora the Explorer, Go Diego Go, you know, and more. It, it's a fun little cute parade. Mm-hmm. And unlike Disney, you don't have to get here 45 minutes to an hour before it starts. I, well, I think a lot of the time people don't even realize it's coming through. I think we caught it once where people were surprised a parade route was coming down yeah. the road. <laughs> so then there's the Blues Brothers show, which has been there, I think, since the beginning. Outdoor musical stage with music and the Blues Brothers singing. And it's been my experience. The guys, they get to do it. They really oh, throw they themselves into, into oh, character yeah. and they interact with the audience. Yeah. And then over in San Francisco, something like like they have the pop-up uh, construction guys. Yeah. That, that beat on their tools. Yes. Yes. Only in San Francisco. Um, <laughs> so there's also Fear Factor Live, which... Um, is a stunt. <laughs> you tried. You tried. <laughs> I so tried. Hard. <laughs> Sorry, that was good. Um, Fear Factor Live, also in San Francisco. No, um, a stunt stage show based on the NBC television show series Fear Factor. I just pretend it's not there. Well, um, it, it got canceled. They're not doing it anymore. Currently, but it's still I don't think the sign coming. is. I, don't think it's coming. I hope it doesn't come back, but sign it just. It's still listed on the maps. We've seen Georgia on the map. Um, Animal actors on location. An outdoor covered theater featuring a 20 minute live stage show that your wife would be all about. She was. Trained animals showcasing their talent like Eugene. Um, Then there's the classic. The Mm -hmm. Universal's horror makeup show. Yep. Which is timeless, great. Highly advised live indoor stage show. Yep. Themed as a behind the scenes presentation, but it's so much more. 
Then there's the new, I've heard nothing but phenomenal reviews of The Bourne Spectacular, which is a live action, live indoor action stunt show, but combined with moving sets and really cool visual effects. Do they have a water tunnel? No. Hmm. No. Um, Universal Orlando's cinematic celebration is their nighttime fountain firework and projection show. Definitely a step up over past nighttime shows the park has done. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen that. Awesome location, much easier. Like They took a lesson out of uh, Disney California Adventure for World, World of, of Color, Color. and they, yeah. they built like a uh, tiered, a, a tiered yeah. viewing stand. I saw, I saw the one they did. Well, the old they one. do a special one for Horror Nights, yeah. but yeah. So then um, some of the unique shows are in Diagon Alley. Um, there's two different puppet shows. The one is the Fountain of Fair Fortune. The other is the Tale of the Three Brothers. These are really cool um, because they use larger-than-life puppets to retell stories. Um, and then there's uh, Celestia Warbeck and the Banshees, which is a live musical singing show. So with that, let's talk about our favorite shows or entertainment. I actually really enjoyed the Lagoon Show, the cinematic celebration. You know, it's not the best outdoor Lagoon Show, but what I liked about it was the fact that, you know, they tried to squeeze in as much as possible. Part of the fun of the show was seeing how they were going to connect everything Mm -hmm. and the connections between the movies and how they went from one section Mm -hmm. to the next. It was fun. The seating was relatively good. I mean, you really weren't fighting to get a spot. It was well laid out. I think it's worth a shot, and it's a nice addition to nighttime at the park. Um, my runner-up, though, I actually did enjoy the Celestina Warbeck and the Banshees. Mm-hmm. It's a more intimate little show. You line up around a little corner stage, um, and it sort of brings you more into the Wizarding World because it's pulling you into like a live aspect of it, and it is very well done. They do different shows for different times of the year. If you get a chance, you're passing by. It's worth a watch. Horror makeup show. Yep. Can't beat a that, classic. You can't beat a classic. That's mine too. It's been I mean, it's about it's, ten years since I've but seen it's it. It's different but... every time I've seen it. Like, because it's it's very interactive, especially if Beetlejuice is there. If you're mm-hmm. there on a day that Beetlejuice is there, because sometimes he makes appearances in the show, you never mm-hmm. know what you're gonna get. Um, it's like a box of chocolates. But I also. Um, like Chris said, enjoy the cinematic celebration. I mean, it's uh, my choice is the horror makeup show, but close runner up, definitely the cinematic celebration show. Um, the night we saw it, though, it was freezing. It was cold. <laughs> well, so it was still fun. You need to remember that even though it's Florida, it still gets cold at night. So while it might be in the high 60s, low 70s during the day. In the winter, yeah. Yeah, w- when the sun goes down, you might need a hoodie. There's and we to- sell them. Yes, we do. Rock the merch. But, yeah, you might need a hoodie at night. See, I saw, I saw when it was Marathon of Mayhem, and it was really cool that they took all the IPs mm-hmm. and wove them together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a long show. No, and that's what like I like. 10, 15 minutes, that's what but... I like about it. It's not too long, but it's mm-hmm. long enough that you feel like you get, you know, your time's worth. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have any like lull moments. It's all jam packed right. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're there. What are five must dos, Brian? So five must do attractions, ride or show. 
at Universal Studios Florida. It's it was hard to like pinpoint it to just five if you had five must-dos, but Revenge of the Mummy, Escape from Gringotts, Transformers, Men in Black, and E.T. are my five. My list would be virtually identical. I'm not a huge fan of Transformers, considering there's a better version. There is a better version. 300 foot. But, yes, but, exactly. But Transformers is more intense. Yes. I'll like, give it, that. it is intense. What I will say to substitute Transformers, even though I haven't seen it in person, but I've seen video and it gets rave reviews. The Born Spectacular. The Born Spectacular. That would be my only change from Brian's list. I would say E.T., Men in Black, Revenge of the Mummy, Green Gods, and Rocket. Even though I'm not a fan of Rocket, it is a unique ride. Yeah, yeah, I will give it that. It is a unique ride, and we have hundreds of coaster credits between the three of us for general public. It's a, it's a decent ride. Mm -hmm. So five attractions to skip that does not include fast and the fury supercharged (laughs) 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 or race to New York with Jimmy. Oh, Oh. (laughs) my, my my only two, I only have a list of two and it would have been fast and the utter failure and Jimmy, the freaking boring. Both of those rides are pretty awful. And the only thing that... Redeeming about both of them are their pre-shows. Are the pre-shows. The cues for both are more enjoyable than the experiences themselves. I, those are the only two things that would be a constant, all the time, hard skip, Universal can do better. Yeah, I never need to ride. I rode them each once. I never need to ride them again. Um, I listed those. I also listed the Kang and Kudos... Want to be Dumbo ride? Um, Aiden likes it. Fear Factor, little ones. Fear Factor Live, mm-hmm. a waste of an hour. Mm-hmm. And Woody Woodpecker's Nighthouse Coaster. And the only reason I say that is it's a low capacity version of the same exact ride that's at Islands of Adventure that runs two trains. But they count as two separate credits. Yes, so if you do. want the credit, you yes. gotta ride it. But if you're not someone who cares about such things, it's a skip. Despicable Me, Minion Mayhem, Shrek 4D, Fear Factor, Fast Furious, Race Through New York. I like the Minion. And the Simpsons Simpsons ride. See, here's the thing. Those three that you listed, the Simpsons, Minions, and Shrek. Shrek, are all... They're good for their IP and interesting uses of those characters and themes, mm-hmm. but they're all based on the bones of very poorly aging simulator technology mm-hmm. because they they've all I think they've all been reskinned other things yep. in the past. No, I will say Shrek is hilarious because of its ripping of Disney. Like some of those jokes at Disney yeah, but are the, hilarious. The, but the ride itself is a Barker lounger with yeah. an attitude, and if yeah. you get a bad <laughs> seat, you're gonna get bruised on that thing which is not something well i could say the same thing about simpsons it's a bit jarring if you need your back adjusted ride it and if you've never had your back adjusted you might need it after that ride i was never fan of the simpsons so what i will say this if you like the simpsons it's a the visuals are great 
I would say I would say the visuals are great for most of those. It's the ride tech front row underneath it. If you are susceptible to getting tossed around, the front row is smoother than the back row of the Simpsons ride. Hmm. Heard it here first, folks. Another good planning tip brought to you by Zero G Adventure. Yep. All right. Well, that about wraps up our trip to Universal, and we move on to the beloved. Coaster of the Week segment. Woody Woodpecker's Not House Coaster. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Revenge of the Mummy. So, Revenge of the Mummy is located, big shocker, at Universal Studios Florida, which yeah, really? I... I mean, there's another one. There is. There actually, there's two of them. Yep. But the best one is at Universal Studios <laughs> Florida. It opened. Where's in the third? Is it a Singapore? Singapore mm-hmm. or Beijing? Okay. Singapore. Opened in 2004. It is an enclosed steel, multi-launched, non-looping coaster by Premier Rides. It is 44 feet tall. Multiple sources say different maximum speeds. The launch is 40 miles per hour, but the ride actually goes up to 45 miles per hour. It features a turntable, two LIM launches, and special effects including fire and water. It is 2 minutes and 57 seconds long. It has four trains, dual loading platforms, two cars per train, two rows per car, four guests per row. If you're doing your math with us, that's 16 riders per train. Who and, said we weren't educational? I know. Yes. And restraints are individual ratcheting lap bars. Which I do not yeah. like. No. They are not comfortable. Yeah. What I will say is, I, with the way the line for the ride is in the theming, it actually feels like a slightly longer ride than the actual ride time lists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brian Fraser just wants his coffee. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And if you are there on a not busy day and you don't get to go through that part of the line, it just never makes sense. You like it, It's one of those rides where you really, you almost want it to have a 40 minute wait so you get to experience the entire queue to get the whole video of the behind the ride and then the missing person. Mm-hmm. The missing person is in the ride telling you where, why do you do this? And then the whole pre-show brendan frazier wants his coffee are you insane <laughs> I, very rarely will i tell you you know the line is worth it in some cases it is, it is this is one of those rides where it's a cohesive story mm, from the beginning yep. to the end line included and i mean so is same with gringotts mm-hmm. like the pre-shows and gringotts and the elevator and all that that makes never seen it. oh see that's what makes the ride i've never seen it i've always gone through single rider with that yeah. Which it just dumps you down a hallway and then you get to the bottom of the spiral staircase. Yeah. No, the the pre like that's what makes it. Even the single ride line for mummy cuts out a lot of the, yeah. the stuff. But it's it's nice whenever wait times are five minutes and you can go through the entire line. It's nice that way. So. Coaster term of the week, as we mentioned. Turntable. Turntable which is actually a section of track where the roller coaster train is stopped. Um, the track rotates to connect with another section of track or 
reverses direction or changes direction. Um, and it can also act as a block break. So there are a couple different coasters, coasters that, that I can them, think yeah. of. Uh, the Journey to Atlantis at SeaWorld San Antonio, they use that. Mm -hmm. Of course, the Revenge of the Mummy. I can't think of any others. Um, there's a couple. I can't think off the top of my head, but there's a couple coasters that use it. Um, yeah. Um, some of them use it as a way of loading a train versus a train being on a ride. Powder keg. Yeah, there's coasters that literally the whole loading platform is a turntable where it loads and then moves the coaster train over to the other side. So it's definitely something that's used more often than it used to be. Mr. Freeze. Yeah. That's, that, I really want to ride that ride, too. That looks fun. It is. So that brings us to our favorite part of the podcast. It's always our favorite part. Unlocking those memories. Yes. Favorite. So and it's our nostalgia. Today's question of the day. Favorite defunct attraction from Universal Studios Florida. And this was hard. I, no, not really for nope. me. Nope. No. I, I have... Is yours confrontation? Yes, it is. Yeah. For numerous reasons. Well, the new Skull Island has an amazing queue. The actual ride for me, I'm not a huge fan of. Mm -hmm. 3D really doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, no. And while the animatronic is better at the end, I still think as a cohesive story and ride, Confrontation was still a better ride. And I might be also biased because... Disney legend and Imagineer Bob Gurr helped build that original Kong. And I actually think, as a whole, that one still, it might actually be a little better than what it mm -hmm. was replaced with. What say you, Tim? I would say that my favorite memory of Florida is being there in July <laughs> in 98-degree heat, traveling through a wall of fire. Oh, Jaws. That'd be the one. That would have been my second <laughs> choice. <laughs> yes, I love that ride. I the first time I went to Universal Studios, I was ten and maybe a little bit younger. But uh, that was the first ride that I went on, and it actually scarred me. <laughs> like it, it, like I remember how petrified I was. They put me on the end end of the boat. I didn't know what it was, that what kind of ride it was. Did you lose your eyebrows? I was more scared of the damn shark. <laughs> but as time went on, I grew to appreciate the cheesiness that is the Jaws shark. The Jaws. I also agree with Jaws. They did a very good replacement. Yes. But there's something about Jaws. Um, a definitely high-maintenance attraction. Like, I, I get it. Um, but you know, it was really hard. Like I was thinking of those classic attractions like earthquake and confrontation and even the whole Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, I remember that was That was like early. early. Yeah. Yes. My uncle was pulled out of the audience for that. Yep. One. To be in the shower scene. Yes. But you know, as you guys say, both picking jaws, that is a ride that lives up to the definition of ride the movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, there is no better definition of that concept I mean, than that what that was, ride was. And if you want some 
research on how problematic Jaws was. The first go And around. the first version. And, like, it almost destroyed the park. Although it kind of lives up to its actual movie namesake, because the actual Jaws animatronic was no picnic when they were making no. the film. But Nope. But if it wasn't for um, Back to the Future, the park may not be here. Yeah. That was the ride that saved the park. There is a YouTube channel. Um, it's called Theme Park History. Yes, very good. And they do a lot of, like, the history of rides, especially, like, in the Central Florida area. Um, and wow. there is the history of the Jaws ride, and it is very good. And there's also a history of Universal. Also, I would recommend channels that do something similar would be um, uh, Defunct Land. Yeah. And Expedition Theme Park has very good videos as well that they all cover the history from slightly different angles. They all find things that are a little different, but it's definitely one of those rides that has had a storied past. So from 2020, there is a Jaws the Ride Universal at Home Quarantine Edition. We need to watch that. Oh. <laughs> I want to see that. So. All right. Well, with that, we are going to wrap up our trip to Universal Studios Florida. Um, don't worry, we'll be back next week with some City Walk and Volcano Bay and our exciting review of Hershey, Hershey Park, Park, Park. Yes. and Candemonium. Yes. Oh, Candemonium. Candemonium. <laughs> you know, it's one of those. <laughs> That's a sleeper. People slept on it. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Stupid name. Yeah. Great ride. Awesome ride. Yes. Um, awesome ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's having a flashback. Yeah, oh, oh, <laughs> ice cream is so good. Is, and on paper, doesn't seem disgusting. like it would be. But we will get into that. Yes, yes. Next week. Yes. So as always, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for telling your family and friends and coworkers and people that you just hate about us. Um, check us out on our website zergadventures.com, as well as keep up with us on all social media channels. Twitter, Facebook. And with that, YouTube. Yep. With that, go buy yourself a t-shirt. We'll see you next week. Right on. Word. <laughs>